0: It's so good to see you here this morning as we celebrate our fourth Advent Sunday. If you didn't notice yet, it's all about love. I hope you feel loved as you're here this morning, not only by us, but by our our Heavenly Father. Our series for the last several weeks has been The Promise, exploring the themes of Advent leading up to Christmas, On our first week, we discovered that God's promised hope came in the form of a person. It wasn't just hope in an idea, but hope in the Messiah. Jesus meets our deepest longings and the hope not only for our future, but for today, for our present. In the second week, we looked at the promise of peace that was given first to the lowly shepherds. God's Savior came for the entire world, not just for the rich, not for the famous but for everyone. Last week, we discovered that the deep joy that comes from the promise of the Savior was coming into the world, a joy that not only we could receive, but that we're called to share. And today, as we consider God's promise of love that was born in the manger, in the baby, the Christ child, we see how Jesus' advent affected the life of Simeon, the shepherd, Zachariah, and today we'll consider how Mary's life was changed forever. How has Jesus affected your life? Have you met the Savior personally? You may know about him, you may know his name, and many people grow up with that knowledge, but do you know him? Do you know his love? Let's pray before we continue this morning. Our Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for all the ways that we were able to celebrate this morning in song, in poetry, in the reading of your word. All of these are messages proclaiming your great love to us. And Lord, as we look into your word this morning and remember how you sent your love, how you demonstrated your love to us, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open, that we would be listening and hearing of our own needs our need for forgiveness, our need for a Savior. I ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Many of us have a nativity set up in our homes or maybe in our front lawns. How many of you have at least one nativity at home? We have a great display out front, thanks to Lenny and JC. And if you drive by at night, we have the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ for everyone driving up and down Central Ave. But what is a nativity? What does that word even mean? The word nativity comes from Latin, navitas, which means birth. In Ireland, when we served there as, as missionaries, they called the nursery a creche. And some of you may refer to your nativity that way. When we took uh, Liam, our youngest born, to A preschool, that was also the creche. And you walk down the hallway in the church and there was a little sign saying creche. That's the nursery. That's where the newborns go. We celebrate birth. Then The nativity scene is set out every year reminding us a depiction of the birth of Jesus Christ. God sending his love into the universe through a tiny baby. And if you have your nativity set up All eyes are focused on Jesus. Usually, Joseph is leaning over and Mary's looking at the baby and the shepherds and in my nativity, even the sheep and the donkeys are all looking at Jesus. They're all looking to the Savior. I think even the animals knew that he had come. You've probably noticed that there's a new event for new birth today, for new couples. After the announcement that they are expecting they do something special. They have a gender reveal party. And some elaborate gender reveals now cost upwards of $10,000 just to announce whether they're having a boy or a girl. Couples have pink or blue cakes that when they're sliced, they reveal the inside and you can see what the baby's gonna be. Some people fill balloons with pink confetti or blue confetti, or if you're a redneck, Or you like guns, you might use Tannerite and have a big powder puff exploding, even if you're not considered a redneck and you just like shooting. People do that. Other couples have boxes filled with pink or blue balloons releasing them. You name it, it has probably happened. Well, this is a picture of Will and Alyssa's gender reveal, and they're using streamers in poppers, and we are having a second grandson. We're pretty excited about that. He's coming in May, and... Uh, We were able to be there live. This is Alyssa's family, but uh, we had a live camera so that we could watch this on video stream, and I'm just realizing that I'm officially in pop mode. This is the second Sunday in a row that I've talked about my grandson, so forgive me for that, uh, but new life, new birth brings joy to us, and we see love on display I have four points that I'd like to share with you this morning. If you like taking notes, you can look in the bulletin. And again, if you're watching us online, you can find the digital bulletin at faithlife.com slash dunkirkbaptist, and you can follow along with the points. First of all, we, pray, we prepare for the birth of something new. The reason for the nativity The birth of Jesus, the reason that that was so significant is not that it was just something that happened over 2,000 years ago, but it's because it was God's desire for each of us to know him, to see his love on display, and for Christ to be born anew in our lives. What would happen if each of us, full of expectation that God would birth something new within us, What if we began to prepare for what God desires to do? And that should be the prayer of every follower of Jesus Christ God, what would you like to do in my life? We talk about new birth. We talk about being born again. That's the example, the way Jesus described it to Nicodemus when he said, How can I know this love of God? He said, First, you need to be born again, you need to be remade. And that's only through God's redemption, through his forgiveness. And ultimately, it was through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. There's another promise that's given in the Old Testament that's fulfilled in that nativity scene, something that we're so familiar with. We hear it again from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The sign for God's people that they had not been forgotten. That they had not been left alone. They knew that they were broken. They knew that they were sinful. They knew that they had turned away from God over and over again. And God said, I'm sending you a sign that things will be made right. That salvation is coming. A virgin will be born to a child. And you will see God's love tangibly in this world. The instruction given in Isaiah is to be prepared. Live your life with expectancy that God would come to be with us. Make space in your lives. Make room for the birth of a new work of God within you, right now, before his arrival. In the New Testament Gospels, we have two different accounts of the nativity, his birth. Matthew and Luke each give us an explanation of the way in which God came to us in the middle of our mess to be with us because of his love. And in Luke's gospel, he captured a little bit more of the backstory within the nativity narrative. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 1, it begins with an angel who tells us his name is Gabriel, and he's speaking to a young girl, a teenager named Mary. Listen to Luke 1:26 to 33. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. The message that this angel brought to Mary was, you're going to conceive a child. Don't miss the important part of this story. It's truly a miracle. She's a virgin. She has not yet been married. So for this announcement to come to Mary, it must have been really difficult for her to process. What? You mean I'm going to become pregnant? What do you mean this child Jesus is going to be the son of the most high? A king who's going to rule over all these things. I'm just Mary. How is this possible? When God is ready to do something new, there's almost always disruption. In a world that's broken, a world marked by sin, the arrival of God's love was a disruption. How many of you really like disruption in your life? How many of you like change? We usually fight it pretty hard, don't we? Even if things are not that great, we know what it is. And we think, well, it's better to have this mess that I know than something totally new. We fight against this disruption. But when God comes, when he shows up, our lives are disrupted. Mary's life was taking a turn here that she could never have expected. As far as she knew, she was getting ready to marry this nice Jewish boy from the neighborhood. And suddenly, she's been chosen to give birth to the savior of the world. This was major disruption. And for Joseph, her fiance, he's excited about getting married. He's preparing a home for them. And now he finds out that Mary is expecting Joseph is thinking, how is this possible? I know it wasn't me. Has she been unfaithful as we're getting closer to our wedding day? Has my betrothed, the love of my life, been unfaithful to me? How could she possibly be pregnant? Yes, she said she had a dream and something about the Savior. Is that even possible? And so an angel comes and Gives Joseph that same message. But he had to trust. He had to have great faith because things were not going the way he planned, not the way he expected. And then for the political power of the world, we talked about Herod several weeks ago, how he was in charge of this region of Israel. The Roman rulers had let him be in charge, and everything was going as well as he could plan. And now there's a birth of someone who's the king, the king of Israel. What's going to happen to my throne? What's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to my power? What's he going to do? This baby caused disruption. His coming changed the world because the promise that God loves his people and that he would come and dwell with us, God with us, Emmanuel, through this humble young girl. When change comes, when disruption comes, we have two choices. One is we avoid it, we pretend it's not happening, we fight against it, or we embrace it. If it's disruption from God, I would encourage you to embrace it and say, Lord, bring it on, whatever it is, because I know it's good if it's coming from you. It's for my good. When God is birthing something new, it will always feel like something confusing, something hard, something exciting, something inexplicable. Should I really do this? Should I step out in faith? What about my family? What are people going to think? Just do it. Are you going to avoid it or are you going to embrace it? When Cindy and I answered God's call to ministry That was major disruption in our lives. We were getting ready to go to a foreign country. We sold our house. We sold our cars. We put everything in storage. I quit a fairly good-paying marketing job. We left it all behind. We took our little boys, just two and five years old, and went to somewhere that we didn't know. But we knew that God was doing something in our lives, and we chose to embrace it. And we're so thankful that we did because that was the turning point for us being in ministry, getting to know people, serving with people personally instead of just from a classroom. We celebrated that fresh new view of ministry, and it's something that changed us forever. Maybe this morning, as you've come to church, maybe you're watching online this morning, you're wrestling about some disruption in your life. Maybe it's a new job that you're just not sure about. Maybe it's a loss of something or someone that's just so painful. Maybe it's a sin that's finally found you out. Maybe other people are starting to notice. Maybe it's a relationship that's either ended or is headed towards a dead end. Maybe it's a need that you see and you just can't get it off your mind. Disruption. This may be God's grace bringing his love to make something new happen within you. Some of us may have, been, may have spent years avoiding disruption. Of God wanting to do something in your life. And you're wondering, is this the time? Do I do it? My prayer for you. For those of you watching online. That we would be a people who would stop avoiding disruption. When it comes from God. That we would recognize that his will for our lives is good, and that he can use even these difficult experiences to see something new happen with us. Just like Mary and Joseph, God wants to do something special through your life. If you've trusted Jesus as Savior, he's given you gifts to use, not only for the community, but for the good of our own church. Are you using them? Have you stepped out in faith and said, God, I want you to do a work in my life. I'm willing for you to shake up my life for me to be uncomfortable because that's what it looks like when you follow God, when you say, I'm all in. How does Mary respond? Let's look at verses 34 to 37. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the most high will overshadow you Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing shall be impossible with God. There was no natural way that this could have happened for Mary. There's no way she could bring a new life into the world without being married in her eyes and knowing her husband. But God says, I'm going to do something special. I'm going to do something miraculous. It's through my spirit that this baby will be born. Mary had new birth excuses. How can this be? How is it going to happen? This can't work. And sometimes we all have new birth experiences. We have reasons why we think God can't do this work within us. I've heard some of these excuses from people in the church. I've heard them from people outside the church. There's no way God can save my marriage. It's just too far gone. There's absolutely no way God could love me. I've done too many wrong things. I'm never going to see this relationship with my son, my daughter, my brother, My uncle, my mother, I can't imagine this relationship ever being right again. There's just been too much damage, too much water under the bridge. It can't be fixed. I'm never going to get on top of these bills. They're always more than the income. I must be in debt for the rest of my life. I'm never going to be clean and sober The temptation is just too strong. Or maybe I can't get free from porn. It just keeps pulling me back in. I just can't do it. These are all excuses for why we can't experience the new birth. And like Mary, when we look from a human perspective, we can see all the reasons why this won't work. It hasn't worked. We've tried everything. And yet, God can do it. With him, all things are possible. That doesn't mean God is going to let you do whatever you feel like, but the work that he wants to do within you, the healing, the redemption, the forgiveness, the new heart, those changes can happen. And God is calling you to be like his son. So the angel says, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Listen, Mary, what's impossible physically, humanly, is totally possible with God. He's the one who made you. The one in you is the one who made the whole world. How can you say this isn't possible? The miraculous birth of Jesus Christ is the reason that we celebrate Christmas. And that's one of the things that I love driving around and seeing Christmas decorations. Yes, not everybody is totally on board with Jesus as Savior. They may not have accepted him yet, but they're celebrating his birth all around the world. They're celebrating this miracle. The nativity changed the world 2,000 years ago. And Jesus, the Son of God, is still changing people one by one. Because he's the same God who said, with me there is nothing impossible. The Holy Spirit, just like he changed Mary's life, can change your life. It's not about your abilities. It's not about your efforts, your track record, your status. It's about allowing God to do something in your life. Let's look at Mary's response in verse 38. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. Mary's response was, Complete surrender. I'm your servant. I don't know how this is going to happen, but I trust you. I trust you, Lord. Let everything you said happen just the way you want it to happen. May your word be fulfilled. Our fourth And final point this morning is that when we submit to God, his promises can be fulfilled in us and through us. When we submit to God, his promises can be fulfilled in us and through us. What if this were our attitude during this Christmas season? How would our lives be different? If we submitted to God's will, if we submitted to his promises and said, God, I trust you. I know that you're doing something great. Bring it on. Listen to what author and pastor Max Lucado said. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need, the need of every one of us, was forgiveness. So God sent us a Savior. The world's greatest need was not for everything around us to be fixed and to go exactly the way we want, but for us to be right with God, to know God with us to know his forgiveness, his love, to have hope and joy in him. And that all came through God's son, Jesus Christ. Mary was willing to accept all of these disruptions in her life. She was willing for the neighbors to gossip and talk about her, for her own family to wonder, for her husband to be, to be concerned. And together, I think they trusted God. And they said, we're in this together. God is with us. Who can be against us? Jesus was willing to accept God's will for his life. And that meant going to the cross. Dying on the cross. Spilling his own blood. The blood of the Savior for you and I. So that we could be forgiven. So that we could be right with God. If this attitude of Submitting to God, obeying Him, was in us not only at Christmas time, but throughout the year. Can you imagine the great things God would be doing in your life, in the life of our church, in the life of our community? This message of new birth was not only about changing Mary and Joseph's life, the message was about this baby named Jesus, came not only to show us what God is like, but to offer peace with God, to offer salvation, and to usher in a new kingdom. A kingdom dedicated to turning the world on its head. I love that description in the book of Acts. As the gospel went out from Jerusalem, as the apostles shared and people's lives were changing, the world was turned upside down. Why do we think in our comfortable lives in America, that we can just come to church one day a week and think, oh good, I've got the God thing covered, but don't make my life uncomfortable, God. Don't change anything. Just Please just leave stuff the way it was. I want to come and smile and sing and enjoy being with other people, but don't change anything. I finally got it all just right. God wants to do something in your life. And that's going to cause disruption. It's going to cause discomfort. And the new work means it's not just changing you, but changing the people around you. People around you need the good news. They need to see God's love on display. Mike read for us from 1 John that no one has ever seen God. But when he came in the form of a baby, he came as Jesus Christ, people saw God's love. And now that he's died and rose again and gone back to heaven you are the ones on display you're the ones that are showing what god is like followers of jesus christ disciples what can you do to show his love to those around you maybe it's inviting a neighbor over for cookies and hot chocolate maybe it's bringing someone a gift at christmas time maybe It's just reaching out to the meanest person at work and letting them know that you love them, that you care about them. And I would recommend praying a lot before you do that. Get your heart right so that you don't go up to them and say, you know, you're Scrooge and I'm Bob Cratchit and I want things to be better between us. That's not the welcome that they want to hear. Let God start changing you from the inside out and let that just spill over into everybody else. Like Mary, will you say, may your word to me be fulfilled. God, I want you to do something great in my life. I'm willing for that to make me uncomfortable. I'm willing to give some things up. I'm willing to submit to your will instead of trying to make everything just the way I like it. Speaking of cookies and hot cocoa, we do have those downstairs. And so if you came planning to leave right after the service, that's okay. But if you'd like to stay, we'd love to have you, even if it's just for the coffee and hot cocoa. Come on downstairs, and if you don't know how to get there, look for one of those tags that says, how can I help you? We'd also love to see you come back on Christmas Eve at 6 o'clock. We're going to have a special time of worship in God's Word, worship in great Christmas music, and a wrap-up of the hope that God gives us. Next Sunday, again, The service time is, everybody say it so it sticks in your head, 10 o'clock. It wouldn't be the worst thing to come half an hour early because then you get to hear the worship team practicing, and that always sounds nice. But 10 o'clock next Sunday, I hope to see you again. Mark's going to come. We're going to close in a song. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for coming and disrupting our world. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the Savior, to be the Messiah, to show us hope, peace, joy, and love, to show us how much you love us, not just tell us in your word, but to show us. Christ's love was demonstrated in this, that he died for us. He offers us forgiveness. He offers us new life. And I pray, Lord, that anyone this morning that doesn't know you, today would be the day. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. In the name of Jesus Christ, our great Savior, I pray. Amen.